Welcome to Two Lit Mamas, a kid lit podcast for parents, teachers, and writers. I'm Heather Kaufman-Peters. I'm the mother of one teenage boy. I'm a preschool teacher and a writer. And I'm Margie Ozumet, and I'm mom to two boys, six and 12, and a middle school teacher and a writer. I just got stumbled on that because, you know, I'm almost mom to a seven-year-old. Aww. Not yet, though, so I'm going to hold on to that. Welcome to the fifth episode of Two Lit Mamas. So we hope you're all enjoying, you know, us blowing your minds by how many and how enormous the world of KidLit is. Uh, there's so many options and it's really been fun to kind of wade through them together. In this episode, we're going to talk about our favorite middle grade series. But before we get started, how have you been, Margie? There's not much going on, but we have taken up new, we've been cooking. So this week we decided to learn how to make chocolates and we've been making like chocolates and molds and then we made lightsabers which are really cute. The, the little nug made those uh, with like giant pretzel rods. What was the mint candy that you put on Facebook? That's what we made. We made little chocolate mint cactuses and then we ate them all. And then tomorrow we're making our own Tootsie Rolls. How fun. It is. Way back in March, I um, took this class on the wellness of, uh, or the science of well-being. There were part of it, there was an online survey you took that helped you figure out your character strengths. You fill out the survey and then it ranks 24 of your strengths in order, starting with your, you know, your biggest strength. It was really fascinating. And the whole point of it is the science behind it is that it's been proven that if you apply your character strengths within what you're doing every day, you'll actually be happier or feel more fulfilled. I'm going to need that link stat. Yeah, I know. I highly recommend people doing this. Yeah. So of course, my strength was learning. Of course it was. I like to learn new things. And uh, so the other day I was watching this show and the woman was making her boyfriend a cup of coffee and he goes, ooh, is this Cafe de Oya? And she's like, yes. And I was like, oh, what is Cafe de Oya? I've never heard of that. What is that? I'm, me neither. It's a Mexican coffee drink. So, and I've, I've spent time in Costa Rica, but they drink right. Cafe con Leche down there. And I had never heard of Cafe de Oya. So, of course, I have to Google it and get a recipe and order all the ingredients. Of course you do. <laughs> of course you do. And a special pot. I know. I know. Well, and you know, hey, I've got some mad like British tea making skills, right? Right. I mean, you know, I have to say all beverages are your forte, just FYI. So it was so much fun and it was amazing. So what's in it? Piloncillo. No hablo espanol, senora. I know. It's a brown, it's basically brown cane sugar, but it's a special kind. And it's very like heavily molasses-y, I would say. It actually reminded me of sorghum syrup, which nobody's going to know what that is because I'm a dork farm dork nerd <laughs> but it's sorghum i do know what that you is. you do yeah. okay good yeah we used to we used to use it with the cattle oh yeah of course yeah you feed it to the cattle so yeah it's a plant and you can make an extract from it basically the same as molasses but it has like a really strong molassesy flavor and it kind of made me think of that and then you put so you put some of that into boiling water it melts into the water and then you throw in a cinnamon stick and then when it starts to boil you throw in your coffee into a regular pot like like Folgers like what do you mean like what kind of coffee you're supposed to use good strong Mexican coffee so I got the one I ended up getting was a medium roast but you're but you know you should probably use a darker roast but I thought it, it was good anyway it smelled so good and then you let it steep and then for I think it was like five minutes I can't remember and then it's ready and you just and you drink it and it is so good. It's so nerdy that you would figure this out. I love it. It was really good. I have to say, I'm sitting here thinking like when I have kids that like 
can, you know, wipe their own butts and do all that things themselves. Will I do these things? <laughs> <laughs> Will you have time to do this? Will I actually do things like this? Because it seems fascinating <laughs> to me. <laughs> oh my God, there's something to look forward to. <laughs> And what was the show you watched? Oh, I'm not going to say. <laughs> it was trash, wasn't it? It was one of those dirty, dirty shows, wasn't it? It's called Roswell. Oh, I love that show. I've seen that before. It's a really good show. I love the main character. She's so badass. But anyway. That's hilarious. Too funny. <laughs> oh, my God. Will I get to watch shows like that, too? Yes, you will. And you'll get to binge them. All right. So where are we? Should we start this? Yeah. All right. For episode five of Tulip Mamas, we'll be discussing our favorite middle grade series. So let's get Get started. All right. Well, uh, my first series that I chose is from 2015. And first of all, let let me just start by saying that it's really hard to pick a series, like to pick, narrow it down to like a couple of really good series. There are so many great ones out there. This is just like our favorite authors episode. Yeah. How are you supposed to pick? Right. But this is one that we have been... I'm going through this series for the second time in my life now with my second child because the first one already did it. Now the second one's really addicted to it. So we're all rereading this right now. So I thought I would throw this one out there and it is a series. It doesn't really, doesn't really have like a title as the series, but it is from 2015. It's a series of three books by three different authors, which reimagined the first three Star Wars movies, the original three. So that would be the new hope, the empire strikes back and return of the Jedi. So that's what this is. Um, and they're written by three different authors. Each book is 100% different. It tells you the story of the movie, but in totally different ways. So the first one is called The Princess, the Scoundrel, and the Farm Boy. And that is a retelling of The New Hope, the first movie. And it was by um, Alexandra Bracken. And I have to say, it's probably the most sort of straightforward storytelling out of the three. You know, I didn't, I didn't really recognize her initially. Um, her, she's known for the Darkest Mind series, which is a little bit more YA than MG. The second one is called So You Want to Be a Jedi, and that's the one that I'm reading with my little guy right now. And it was written by Adam Gidwitz, who I absolutely love. He did the Grim uh, Tales Dark and Grim series. Is that the instructional guide for how to be a Jedi? Okay, because you recommended that for my son to read, and he loved that book. And we are tearing it up in our house right now. Both kids are reading it. The only problem I had with it was the part about mind reading. Like my son like really bought into it and he was like, okay, let me try to read your mind. And I was like, oh crap, how am I going to help him like make this seem real? I know I was like trying to fake it so hard because I wanted, I love that he bought into it. It was so fun. It's such an amazing book. I'm going to come back to that one because I'm going to give the third one real quick. That one's actually the retelling of The Empire Strikes Back. And then the third one is called Beware the Power of the Dark Side. And that's by Tom Engelberger, who's also, you know, he wrote the Origami Yoda series and a lot of, uh, he's done a lot of uh, kids books. But that is the retelling of The Return of the Jedi. There was just an amazing article that I read today, and I'm going to link it in the show notes. Um, It was on StarWars.com. This is going to make your heart hurt, though. Uh Uh-oh. The Empire Strikes Back is celebrating its 40th anniversary oh my gosh 40 years since it's been out i I hurt i weep inside Uh, what the heck they they have all these great empire strikes back stories for example did you know that the most important part of the entire series was the whole dagobah scene the dagobah scene yeah that was um like george lucas that was his obsession he was like he thought that was the most important part of the whole movie 
I read that today. Really? Uh, really? Yeah. That's and that's interesting. why it's so big, which consequently is why it's so big when you read the book. So you think you're, so you want to be a Jedi. I love this. I love like going back and seeing, learning more about it. It's like, it's just yes. blows my mind. And my kids are such Star Wars nerds, such Star Wars nerds. I love it. But there's an interview with Adam Gidwitz about writing this book on the anniversary. And he, he, it was so fascinating. Like he said, it's the only book of the three that are, it's told in the third or excuse me, in the second person. So it's you get in your X wing, you rise, you know, like it's, it's, so it's kind of, you know, it's like one of those things that you never see the second person and it never usually works that well, but it works really well in this. Sometimes I feel like it gets the kids more interested. You don't see second person a lot in children's books. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it's common anywhere though. That's true. He was saying in this article that the whole reason he did it was because he thought, well, wouldn't it be cool if you were a Jedi, if you could be a Jedi and if you were Luke Skywalker, then the story would be really good. And so if he took Luke out and made it you, then Luke just became an avatar. Cool. So if you have a Star Wars nut, it is like the best thing you could give them because it's talking to them. Like as they're reading, they're like, you get in, like you're, you're walking across the hall mm-hmm. and it really does give them a buy-in that you can't kind of get any other place. It works really, really well. And then the Jedi training sessions between or lessons between each of the chapters is really cool because then they're like meditation lessons. Or mm-hmm. I think the other day we were doing one and my little guy was standing on one foot with a book on his mm-hmm. head and we were throwing balled up socks at him. Yeah. And they, I they love it. And he thinks too, like my little guy thinks that he can do the same thing. He's trying to read minds. I know. It's great. And now my older son is reading it right now. And he's like, mom, I remember reading this book when I was like seven, but it's still so good. It is. It's so good. And not to, not to say that the other two aren't, but it's just that that one is so much different that it's really kind of, it really gets you. So it's a great series. I don't want to be remiss though, because there's also other great series out there that go along that same genre, like the uh, Origami Yoda series, which are, which I just mentioned by Tom Engelberger. Um, you'll see them kind of collected in the same thing. It's like the Jedi Academy books. Those are great too. But the thing is like, you have to know Star Wars to get the book, to understand what's really happening, you know, like to get a lot of the connections. It's more like they're just using the characters or the themes from Star Wars in a different series. With this one, it actually helps you. If you're like myself and get totally lost sometimes when you're watching Star Wars, it kind of gave you an explanation of like, oh, that's what was happening. So that's why I feel like these. this is a much stronger series because of that. The other ones, the Origami Yoda by um, Engelberger and then the Jedi Academy by Jeffrey Brown, those kind of are great for, for Star Wars fans too, but they... Um, they couldn't stand alone necessarily. Yeah, you got to know. You got to know what like what a Wookiee is. <laughs> so, but those are that was my first one. I felt like that's a series that has stuck with me for years, and it's coming back to haunt me because here we go again with it. <laughs> well, at least you enjoy it. I do. I do. It's you really got to do it twice. <laughs> All right. So, is it my turn? It is. What's your first series? Okay, my first series, of course, is historical fiction. Had to go there. And it's only a two-book series, so it's not a traditional three-book series that we see now or more. Um, This one's called The War That Saved My Life, and it's by Kimberly Brubaker Bradley. Um, There are two books. The War That Saved My Life came out in 2015, and The War I Finally Won came out in 2018. The author is, she's another farm girl. She lives on a farm in Tennessee. Go girl. 
but th- these books are set in England and I had no idea. I mean, I, you know, I'm a bit of an Anglophile and I had no idea that she wasn't from England. And I think she did a really good job. So the book, the main character in this book is 10 year old Ada and she lives in London in a one room apartment that she's never left because her mother is ashamed of her deformity. She has a deformed foot or what you might call a club foot. Mm-hmm. And she has a little brother, Jamie. And the war, uh, World War II is just getting ready to start. And the mother is sending off the little brother to be, you know, kept safe in the countryside, which was a common practice during World War II. A lot of people sent their children out to live in the country. Like on the Kinder Express or something like that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so the sister, of course, is not included in that because her mother doesn't want her to leave the house, but she learns about it and she sneaks out. And so this is sort of one of the, her, her mother obviously is abusive. And this is sort of one of the first defiant things we see Ada do um, is sneak out. And then she goes on her adventure with her brother in the countryside. Um, They're taken in by an older woman who didn't really want to take in children, but she's sort of forced to by the community because they needed more um, help. And uh, her name is Susan. And so it's really, I just love this story so much. It's the historical elements are very real. So there's the author doesn't shy away from, you know, bombings, air raids, um, really scary things happening, um, you know, and then you have the abusive mother. So there are sort of these like dark things happening in the story, but I still felt like the story was so hopeful um, because we basically get to see Ada kind of come out of her shell and hence, you know, the name of the book, The War That Saved My Life which I thought was a really unique angle on a war story to begin with, um, that this child's life actually was improved by the war. And then in the second book, it's basically um, more of Ada picking up not too much later because uh, the war is still going on, but we're getting a little bit more of like, learn a little bit more of how people are coping at this point because the war has been going on for a while. And she and her brother are now wards of um, Susan, the woman who took them in, and they're living in a small cottage with, with a bunch of people. So we get to see some real life in real time what's happening with people during World War II and how they're coping in England. Ada has a surgery on her foot and it, it's fixed. So she doesn't have a club foot anymore. So, um, so then she's dealing with that and allowing people to kind of help her now because as she's recovering. So that's part of the main part of the story. So anyway, I just love this book. I think it's beautiful. I kind of looked on Common Sense Media just to see what the reviews are like for this one because I usually look in other places like Goodreads and Amazon and stuff yeah. and, and kid the blogs and stuff that we follow. But um, Common Sense Media is kind of fun because kids get to write stuff on there and they're so honest. And I felt like um, this one was rated much higher by the kids who read it than the parents. It's funny because that's the same thing in the one I'm about to share on the way next. Is it? Too. Exactly the same thing. Parents are like, this is horrendous. And the kids are like, oh my God, it's amazing. Which I love. It. Yeah. And I think because the, the comments from the parents were the dark. Yeah. It's not good for children. Yes. Like it's going to be too much. If you have a sensitive reader, you need to read it first. And then all the kids are like, I love this book. I couldn't stop reading it. It was so good. Because obviously, as we know, middle schoolers love this kind of stuff and they're not as sensitive as we think. But like I said, overall, like, it's a really hopeful story and, and you really want to cheer Ada on as she kind of figures out who she is. And yeah. yeah. Anyway, I just love these books yeah. for my second series. I love, love, love these books so much. They're so much fun. Total departure from historical fiction. These are um, fantasy books. Um, it's a series called Savvy 
And, and the first one came out in 2008. Um, and these were written by Ingrid Law. Um, she is a Pacific Northwest gal. So she's basically opposite of you, Margie. So we're in solidarity. But these were like an easy, fun read, very enjoyable. But they're basically stories about the Beaumont family who live in Kansas in the first book. And they have magical secret. They each possess what they call a savvy, S-A-V-V-Y. And it's a supernatural power that turns on when they reach 13. Cool. And most of their powers are tied to nature, natural phenomenons, but not all of them. But like the grandfather can move mountains, for example. Oh, that's convenient. <laughs> that would be like the power that I would get. And I'd be like <laughs> stuck in, in, in the middle of like Nebraska and like, here's your power, honey. You can move mountains. You can never use No, there's it. not a mountain to be found. I'd be like, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Get like teleporting or anything good. But that's funny because that's sort of why the family ended up in Kansas because the older brother could start hurricanes. <laughs> it, they specifically moved away from the ocean because that's the thing like when you first come into your power you can't really control it like so in the first book it's about mibs and she's waiting to be turned 13 it's really close to her birthday and she's you can you feel that anxiousness because she doesn't know what her power is going to be and she knows like in the past other people's powers have been destructive or harmful and so she's really nervous about what her power is going to be and then her dad gets in a really bad car accident right before she comes into our power. And then she learns what her power is, which I don't know if we want to do spoilers or not, but... No spoilers. Okay. So she figures out what her power is and she thinks she can help her dad. Anyone who knows anything about Kansas, you have to drive like an hour to get anywhere, right? You don't need to know anything about Kansas. There's nothing to know. We can say that because we're from the Midwest. So she ha- she wants to get to the hospital because she thinks she can help her father. And she ends up on a bus going in the wrong direction. That would be my, that would be me. I would, that would be my luck. Yeah. <laughs> She's a uh, directionally challenged. That's what my friends and I say. Yeah. <laughs> directionally challenged. So anyway, so yeah, it's basically her adventure of trying to get back. And, and then the second book is about ledger. Okay. And all these are in first person, which is really cool. And they're all a different, a different main character. Which is really cool too, because you get to be in totally different characters' stories. At first, when the second book came out, at first I was kind of sad because I loved Mibs and I kind of wanted to know more of her story. But then I got so into the second book, it was like, oh, it doesn't matter. This is kind of fun. So the second book is about Ledger and he is Mibs's cousin. And that story is set like nine years later. So Mibs isn't really in the story at all. It's just about her cousin. And he gets his savvy when his family is on their way to a road trip for a wedding in Colorado, I think the wedding is. And grandpa moved the mountains on the way there to make it yeah. easier. It's easier, kids. I'll just bring him to us. Just sit still. <laughs> so anyway, and his savvy interferes with the whole road trip thing and makes it all a crazy, crazy story. So that was, it's a pretty fun book. And I kind of like in the first book, you get a girl's POV and in the second book, you get a boy POV. And then in the third book, um, which is called, I'm sorry, I'm not saying all the names. So the first book is called Savvy. The second book is called Scumble. And the third book is called Switch. And in the book, Switch is about Gypsy um, and her savvy, which you kind of have to know because it makes, it's basically the story it's about is her savvy is seeing a little bit into the future, but it also makes messes with everyone's savvy in her family and makes it uh, operate in the opposite of what they know how it works. So everybody's, because like I said, when you first get your savvy, it's kind of dangerous because you don't know how to control it. And so now everybody's savvies are doing the opposite of what they were, what 
they originally did. So and so literally like opposite day. She's like, Hey, guess what? My power is I'm opposite opposite day. day. Yes. Oh, nice. And so now everybody has to relearn their savvy, which is kind of cool story. So, and, and some of the characters come back to into this one. So you get a little bit of that. So anyway, they're really fun stories. They're quick reads. They're a great adventure. And, you know, like you said, nothing super bad happens. I love books like that, especially right now. Our world is a hot mess. The last thing I need is a book that's got like so much drama. Yeah. And it's the last thing I want to pass on to my kid right now. I just want him to just the one that reads most on his own. Just read something fun. Just something that you can relate to that you can like just disappear into. I think that's why my kids have been like eating up these Star Wars books right now Mm -hmm. because you could just disappear. You don't have to think about anything. They're great escapist books. And that sounds like that last series that you just said too. Same thing. Yeah. Everyone needs a good fantasy story right now. Get lost in this neighborhood of make-believe and take me. And I like these books too, because they really do stand on their own and you get the backstory on what savvy is in each story. So you, they really could stand alone too, although they're so much fun to have them all together. So Cool. Well, I can say that on my second set, it definitely cannot. Oh, okay. Which is why it's really fun because you have to read the whole thing. So I could not decide, you know, like I was getting pulled by my girl, Margaret Peterson Haddock. She's got so many great series out that mm-hmm. I, you know, all of those, there's so many to choose from. And then I was thinking like, what was the one series that I couldn't stop? And I couldn't stop reading it. And it was The Genius Files by Dan Gutman. So the Dan Gutman, as, as you might notice, I mean, people might know him, but he does all of the weird school books. I, I, I pretty much feel like there's like 7,000 of them. And I might be on like 695 at that point <laughs> because we are blowing through those in the first grade right now. I love him. I think he he's very irreverent. You know, he says things that make parents mad and I love that. And he's very unapologetic about it. And I love that because as a teacher... I love anybody that's going to just like take a chill pill, you know, like chill out, Karen, your kid's going to be fine. So I feel like I've always loved him for that. These came out, they came out like one year after another. And I very first one, I'm going to get this right. Yeah. Came out in 2011. And then they came out, there's five of them, one each year. And the final ending of the series came on 2015. The problem was each one ended in this like massive, like jumping off the cliff, uh, hang gliding into fire, like these huge <laughs> cliffhangers. And there was like, there's no way that these kids survived. So you have to read the next one. And some people, like one of the reviews I read, they were like, well, that's so cheesy. You know, they make you keep reading. Well, duh, it's a series. I mean, you know, he's got to make his bucks too. But yeah. it's, say, it's no different than a television series that keeps you hanging on. That's the whole point of a series. Right. So it's about, it's kind of corny, but it's, I think that's why I just loved it. So loved them all so much. So the kids are named Coke and Pepsi and their last name is McDonald's. That's terrible. I know, right? But their parents were like, they won something or they were cultural anthropologists or something like that. And that's how they ended up with these ridiculous names. And the parents decide that they're going to go on a cross-country RV trip with the kids. And they're going to stop at all of America's wonderful monuments, like the Spam Museum and the largest gumball and the biggest like roll of twine and like the giant boot. And they literally go from from the West Coast to the East Coast by going all the way to these ridiculous monuments. And I checked, they're real. They're all real. That's so fun. I love this. It's so funny. And every book, they're going someplace else. It takes them five books to get across the country, for the love of God, because there's just so many ridiculous, the giant slice of cheese. And and it's funny because some of them, you know, like when they pop into states that I've lived in, I'm like, yep, I know where that is. (laughs) Oops, I've been there. They end up right, I think it's like towards the 
ending or in the middle of the first book, they figure out that these shady characters are chasing them and they're trying to kill them. So that's why people got all up in arms. How dare these people? Like, you can't say that adults are trying to kill children, blah, blah, blah. blah. It's not your book, Karen, simmer down. You know what I mean? Like, it's the book for the kids. That's why the parents were all like, oh, this is not appropriate. And the kids are like, this is awesome. They don't know it yet, but they're, they soon find out that they are expected to become part of a secret government agency called the Genius Files, where the kids actually solve the world's problem. So, but in order to do that, they have to get to the head location of the Genius Files, avoid the bad guys, basically. So it's really, it's just a, such a fun series. It's such a great, like, beach read series. I think it's great. I, I went back to look at some reviews and, you know, like, again, just like we said, the kids, the reviews that were by kids were like, this was awesome. It's just, it's like an action adventure movie for kids in a book. It's made for every little boy and girl that doesn't want to read, that likes to watch like blow them up movies. You know what I mean? Except now it's in words. And I listened to most of it on audiobook, And that was even better because it was like getting a story, an amazing story told to you. Um, I used to listen to it on my way back and forth to work in Indianapolis. So, but it was, it's great. It's a great series. First one did really well. It was a New York times bestseller. And then it kind of the other ones came out, but they didn't hit that same acclaim, but I, they're definitely still great. On a year like this, where you can't really go anywhere. And even if you could go anywhere, you'd pretty much have to go by road trip. It's perfect. It's a perfect book to see like, oh, wow, look at all these cool places. You could actually go and not have to fly. Road trip. Right? Right? To see the giant ball of yarn. I really want to go to the Spam Museum, even though I'm a vegetarian. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I think it's great. I recommend it. All right. We're going to take a short break and come back with our little segment called Pixie. On the last episode, we talked about adaptations of middle middle grade books that just stunk up the joint. But this week, we're going to take a look at those that actually worked and hit the nail on the head. All right. So Heather, what was the first movie based on a book that you actually thought was successful and you loved it? A movie that I've watched so many times. And if you asked me to go watch it right now, I would go watch it is Matilda. I love that movie. That's the one with Danny DeVito, yeah, right? Yeah, it has Danny DeVito, Rhea uh, Perlman. She plays his wife, which is his real wife. And they do such an amazing job in that movie. Um, the book was by Road Dahl, so of course it's uh, of course it's irreverent, and but they just bring the characters even more to life. I mean, it's so amazing. And you know, the woman who plays Crunchum in that story. She's on one of our cozy mysteries that we love. She's a British actress, and um, she's part of Rosemary and Time. Yeah. Anyway, I just love that. I've always, always loved that movie. And yeah, I will watch it again and again and again. Um, Another one that I would say I thought did a really great job is The House with a Clock in Its Walls. I never read the book, but that movie, amazing. So I read the book right before the movie came out because I thought, oh, it'd be yeah. kind of fun, you know, just to see what it's about. So it's it's by John Belair's and it was written in 1973. Oh, really? Yes. So the book is almost as old as we are. And then the movie came out. Yeah. When did the movie come out? Just like a couple of years ago. No, like last summer I online, like maybe the summer before last. Mm. And Jack Black plays right. the main character. And I thought he did a great job. You know, the the book itself is not very long. So I really felt like the movie was pretty true to the story. And I, I love the way they brought the characters to life. I think they did an excellent job. And I love any story that's about a house. So yeah. 
I'm all down. I'm down with that. It was so cool. Like a magical house. It was so fun. Oh, cool. But my first one is going to have to be holes. Yes. And it's so old. I didn't realize it was two from 2003, but the only reason I knew it was, this is terrible, but like Shia LaBeouf was a kid and I'm like, well, he's not a kid now. He's a nut job. So it's gotta be like old. And I Googled it, of course, cause I Googled everything and that's what I found. But it was funny cause we watched it in school this year because the kids had read the book and then we watched it and, and I'd seen it before, but man, it's timeless. It is. And it's, a, it's really good. It's a great representation. It's like what you saw on the page is what, you know, you pretty much saw on the screen for the most part. I agree. I love that book and I love the movie. I love the book and the movie. It's just, such, and it's funny cause you know, like a few weeks ago when we couldn't find our septic tank. And I was digging the holes and I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> you thought about and those so, those poor boys digging right? holes. And it's like hot and it's sand and we have sand. Like oh, we don't really have dirt here. We have sand. And I was like digging and sand's flying and it's the sun's beating down. I'm like, oh my God, give me an orange jumpsuit. It's exactly the same thing. You know, I have to say about that book too. I did not. I see how it was all going to come together. And I was just like so pleasantly surprised by the book. Yeah. And the you're right. The movie does just follow along with it too. And it creates that sense of wonder and that sense of history tie, wrapping back around and tying together. I just love that. There's no reason. This is what drives me crazy about adaptations. And because I feel like the next one I was going to say too were the Wimpy Kid movies, especially the first two. If you have an amazing book, like Holes, like the Diary of Wimpy Kid. There's nothing to change. You bought the book to make it into a movie because it was an amazing book. Just put it on the screen. Instead, we get into some of these, like, I just keep coming back to Percy Jackson. <laughs> like, why did you have to ruin a good book? Just put it, it was fine. It's a great book. It's going to be a great screenplay. Sometimes I think there's this like urge to Hollywood it up. And I didn't feel like that happened at all with Holes. They put in some amazing actors that, to kind of like take it up a notch. Listen, it was Susan Sarandon, wasn't she the? Yes. Yeah, like she's in there. Hello, anything with Susan Sarandon makes it better. And the guy who plays the Fonz was the father, wasn't he? Henry Winkler. Yeah, I think he was. He was the ma- the scientist who invented the. the smell. Is that the, the smell? What was it? The, t- the sneakers. Yeah, yeah the smell away or whatever they call it. They had a dumb name for it in the yeah. story, but yeah. yeah. It was, anyway, it was great. But it was great. And then, so my second choice on that one is, is Jeff Kinney's Wimpy Kids. I just thought those were like so well done. And what you see, even though they were, especially with Row- Rowdy, right? That's how you say his name, right? Rowdy. Yeah, Rowdy. Like, Rowdy mm-hmm. was exactly what I imagined him to be when I read the book. And my son said the same thing. Like we were just talking about a little bit ago. Cause I'm like, did you, do you agree with me that they were the same? He's like, oh, everything I imagined in my mind is exactly what I saw. And that's a good adaptation in my. Well, and you know, those diary of Wimpy Kid books are the only books that my son loved when he was in middle school and I still buy him when a new one comes out. I still buy them for him because I think, and he still gets excited. He doesn't always read them now. Not in front of you. You don't know if he's not really, but he wants them. He still wants, he wants the whole collection. Oh my God. Could you imagine if he like saved them and passed them on? How hard? Oh, I think he, that's what he's planning on doing. Yeah. He loves those books and I did enjoy the movies. I thought they were pretty fun. Yeah. They're pretty spot on. Yeah. Well, especially if you have a house of boys. <laughs> and the, the cheese, like the moldy cheese scene and all that. Oh, the cheese touch. We still make that joke like in our house all the time. Like, oh, cheese touch. Cheese touch. That was what it was. Oh my gosh. That was the best. That is like middle school all in one scene. The cheese touch. And all the horror. Yep. All the horror. So what's your third pick? 
Oh, my last pick is that it's a TV series, not a movie. And it's Anne with an E and it's based on the Anna Green Gables stories. It is the most beautiful. But you're so girly. I'm not girly like that. I'm a cheese touch kind of gal. You're like floral. You know what I mean? Like I'm literally fart jokes and cheese. And you're like, oh, let's talk about flowers and unicorns. Well, Good. and it's, it's you know, it's another historical fiction story, of course. And it's very reminiscent of Little House on the Prairie, but it's Anne of Green Gables, I think is most people would think is sort of rises above that even. And it's just beautiful. The settings in that TV show are gorgeous. The characters are there. The actors did a great job. It basically was what I was picturing in my mind for sure. It's a Netflix, right? Or- um, Yeah, I think it is on Netflix. Yeah, yeah I think so. It's, I forgot to double check that. It's so funny because mine's a Netflix series too. Like not a movie, but a series. Yeah. The last one, I was a series of unfortunate events. The new one on Netflix with Doogie Howser. Uh, I mean, Neil Patrick Harris, you know, Doogie Howser to us, Neil Patrick Harris to the rest of the world. I think it's just from a theatrical standpoint, it's stunning. It's just absolutely stunning. And I, I was asked, my, my kids have really gotten into it. I, you know, like I saw the, what, the first version when they tried to make the Lemony Snicket books into a movie and that had like Jim Carrey and Glenn Close. It was terrifying. Mm-hmm. It was so dark and it was so terrifying. And you know, yes, the books are dark and the books are scary, but that, that movie was really creepy. And so when they came out again, the kids were like, can we watch? I'm like, Oh, I don't know. And then my older son started watching them and I'm like, these are awesome. They're, they're scary, but they're not like, because they're so over the top. You're like, well, that's not ever going to happen. Right. They make it more comical and the costumes oh my god and the sets everything about it is just like to die for so well that's what i feel about Anne with an e too i mean the costumes and the scenery it's just gorgeous and i i agree with you on these series of fortune events i watched that as well and it was it was so much better yeah. than the movie i want i specifically watched that to sort of redeem the movie because i didn't want that in my mind anymore right. <laughs> and so i was like now i have this beautiful tv series which is pretty fun to watch yeah. and neil patrick harris i mean who doesn't love him He's so awesome. He's got twin kids about the about the same age as my kids. That's why this series very much came out the way it did because you come you're coming at it from the and he does write kid lit too. I've never read any of it, but I know he does write kid lit. And I think that he came at it from a perspective of a parent, an artist, you know, and a writer. And he was like, okay, I want my kids to be able to watch this. So I think that's mm-hmm. it definitely plays through. So and there's tons of them. There's like three seasons of it now. So, yeah. All right. Well, this was awesome. It was. Another successful discussion about all the things that we like to talk about. Um, oh, I have to tell you one more funny thing before we go, though. Oh, okay. What? I forgot to tell you this earlier. So, we, um, you know, like we have snakes, as we've discussed many times. And my little little Nugs is scared to death of snakes. Well, yesterday he comes in and he goes, Mom, I think we have miniature snakes in the garage. I said, we do? And he's just terrified, but not as terrified as if he'd really seen a snake. And he goes... Yeah, they're about like this long. And he held his finger out about two inches. And I'm like, well, what do they look like? Well, they have little antennas. And Baba says they're not snakes, but they're called hugs. And I said, what? Don't worry. He would get the poison and take care of him. So we won't have any hugs around. And I go, what are you talking about? So he's telling me a little bit more. And I said, are they black and slimy? Yeah. And they stick to the doors. And I was like, do you mean slugs? He's like, and he smacks his head and he's like, oh, mom, Baba's English is terrible. We're going to have to fix this. <laughs> and I'm just like, 
it could have been either one of them that missed it in translation. P.S. You know, like it could have been. I don't even know how they communicate half the time because he's got such a tough like lisp, and his father's English is terrible. And I'm like, right, we gotta do something about his English. <laughs> So we're in a hug-free zone, hopefully. Okay, good. No hugs in your area. That's good. Oh, you know, I forgot to tell you earlier too that I had that um, quiz, the online survey, you know, about your personality character or character strengths. And because they have one for kids, which is really cool. And his strength, main strength was humor. I was like, oh, that's that's, why he loves his aunt Marty. See, he likes fart jokes and slugs too. So that's why. All right. All right. So let's finish this thing off, sister. For our next episode of Tulip Mamas, we'll be sharing two middle grade LGBTQ books, um, Rick by Alex Gino and My Mixed Up Berry Blue Summer by Jennifer Janari, uh, which I'm excited to read those or talk about those. Thank you for listening to Tulip Mamas. We really appreciate your support. And if you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at www.2twolitmamas.com where you can sign up to follow our blog. Also, if you could leave us a, if you like us and you want to pass us along, please leave us a five-star review. We're also on Facebook under Two Lit Mamas and on the Instagram at two number two Lit Mamas Podcast. So follow us, find us, and figure out what we're up to next. And if you want to join us twice a month for our Kid Lit discussions, please subscribe to our podcast through any of the places you get your podcasts. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. 